welcome. Welcome to Quarantine with Styles, aka Driving with Styles. It's a special broadcast today. Got my boy TB on the line with me. Um, as you guys know, there's, there's some circumstances that might turn this, there's no might. This broadcast is going to turn a little bit more from a sports talk to a combination. There's just too much going on for for me to omit the elephant in the room. And my boy TB has been spitting straight fire for a long time. You know, you know, TB, here's the funny thing about it, man. We've been boys for a while, but we have never met in person. No, not yet. That's crazy. And we feel like I, I feel like we're brothers, but man, we have never met in person. That that shows the 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 quality of the guy TB is. Because if you know me, I'm I'm pretty. My circle is tight, tight. So, um, what's going on, TB? Not a whole lot. Like I said, I've been busy. I've been posting. I've been doing different things. Uh, uh, I actually did an interview with the Huffington Post earlier today, so uh, I'm all over the place. Man. Huffington Post? How, how did that? How did that swing out? <laughs> uh, well, there's a national writer uh, of the Huffington Post, Travis Waldron, who's actually from Louisville, and our paths cross on Twitter. You're just talking about, you know, not being able to meet in person, but meeting people. And he wrote a beautiful piece when Muhammad Ali passed away. Okay talking about how Louisville was then, how it is now, what he represented. We had good interactions, and we've been interacting ever since. And uh, he sent me a message this morning, said, hey, I'd like to set up a phone call. Let's let's talk uh, about some things. So that should post tomorrow. So we'll we'll see. Man, you're doing big things, man. Doing big things. <laughs> That's crazy, man. Um, but – one thing that, that that gets me is is you often talk about about your dad, man, and and the things that he had to go through being a cop, which which I had no idea. The thing that stands tall to me right now is the fact that you said at one time he could not arrest a white person. Right, my dad uh, joined the Louisville City Police Department in 1962, and when he joined. Black officers could not arrest white people. Even if you saw them come out of a bank, cash in hand, all they could say was, do you mind waiting? So uh, to, to go through that, uh, he sued him and uh, another gentleman by the name of Shelby Lanier sued the Louisville City uh, and the police department uh, for discrimination in 1973. And they were victorious with that. And that changed a lot of the policies and everything. Uh, with the department, and when he retired in the 1993, two, three, one of those, 1993, I believe, uh, he was assistant chief of police. So just looking at his career from not being able to arrest a white person to, you know, bossing around just about everybody on the department, it was, it was just kind of a huge, you know, just looking at his career was just a, uh, let you know that change can take place. And that's right. what gives me heart. That's why I talk and do the things I do because change can come, but you really have to work at it. All right. That that's, that's the change that, that I hope will come And And for me, I know, I know you have girls. It's a little different, but for me, I have a boy and I'll never forget the, the time my dad had to sit me down and I, it, it's, it's, it's numbing right now. Because at the time, you do think that, come on, dude, what, what are you talking about? To sit down 
with me one day and I can see the tears well in his eyes and I never understood it until now I have a son and naive he goes to predominantly white private school and he thinks the world is at his feet which hopefully so but I'm gonna have right. to have that talk with him too and mm -hmm. it's it's scary man that I have to sit down with my son and and you can't you know totally shield him from all the news but i have to sit down with him and tell him man look it just these are the things that you have to do to survive i want you to come home alive i don't care what happens you get arrested you have to go to to jail just come home alive let me deal with all the other things and then uh as long as you come home with me we're all good so what what was that talk that and your dad have it with you, being that he's in the force. And that's the funny thing, and that's what I tell people all the time is, uh, sometimes folks outside of the black community kind of make fun of that talk like you're talking about with your son, like your dad had to have with you, like, oh, y'all are just, that doesn't really happen, but it does happen. And I want to tell people it's so powerful because that's exactly what my dad told me. He's the assistant chief of police, and I start driving, right? Right. And he tells me, look, whatever happens out there, I can fix it, but you just have to come home. Right. That was always the thing. Exactly what you said is what he said. Whatever else is going on, you know, yes, sir, no, sir. No sudden movements. Right. All that kind of stuff. That's how you have to tell your son. And you were told, I was told, that's how you have to navigate the world. And when you have to do that, when you have to tiptoe around and you have to, I, I tell people, it's kind of like uh, Bruce Banner, you know, when he's the Hulk and he has to really work on keeping that anger inside because he doesn't want those consequences. Well, that's what being a black man is. You know, you have to, you're telling your son, hey, you can't just walk around frowning. You, right. you can't do that. Right. You can't raise your voice. Right. Right. You, you can't do that. And so you have to internalize all that. And if you look at the CDC website and you look at life expectancy, your, your white female is 82. Okay. And then it goes all the way down. And at the very bottom, just breaking 70 wow. is black males. Wow. And there's a five year gap between black males and white males. Wow. We just now crossed that 70-year-old life expectancy that everybody else had in 1975. So it's more than just the, the, the police brutality and all that. That's part of it. Right. But it's society that we have to internalize it, and there's long-term consequences for that. And, that, and that's, I get it all the time because, like I say, I, in, my, in my high school class, it was, I went to a small school. It was 77 of us, and it was only five of us that was brown. Um, and I'm always, often asked, what can we do? And I tell them all the time, it is empathy. You, mm -hmm. It's hard for me to tell you, and it's hard for you to understand what I go through. And we, as black men, we are always holding, we're always count, in, internalizing a lot of things that happen to us. We keep it internal. We don't let it go. And just listen. Be able to understand as much as you can. But the biggest thing you can do for me is just listen. Listen to where mm -hmm. I'm coming from. Have an open mind 
and say, okay, I don't need you to solve my problems, but just be there to be like, okay, I understand. Now, what can we do? Now, if you ask, what can we do? Now, we are moved to something. Don't be on the defensive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't be on the defensive when you're asking me a question. Well, that's not true. Well, you haven't walked Why'd in you my ask? shoes. I mean, right. I, why would I lie to you? <laughs> I mean, it's, right. it's like, I, I never forget. I'm, I'm, I can say this now. I'm, I was the best athlete at the school at the time in school history. Now, I'm coming from practice at night because I in track, I had to do a lot of events. So I'm coming home late at practice, about 9 o'clock or something, 8 o'clock maybe. And cop pulls me over, said I rolled through the stop sign. I'm like, dude, are you serious? Flashlight and all. Now, he didn't have the gun drawn, but flashlight and all. Now, when I went back to school and told the people, I got stopped. No, that couldn't happen. You had to not stop the stop sign. Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you really don't understand that he could just pull me over because I'm a black guy in a neighborhood that's predominantly white, at a predominantly white school at 8.30 at night when school ends at 3.15? You, really? You think mm-hmm. I... <laughs> Right. No, it, it, it's it. Look, let's just say not every white person is racist. OK, no. we get that. But every black person I've talked to, everyone has a story just like you said. Every one of us has a story like that. If they're 90 and those people have some stories, yes. okay, you know, <laughs> you know, but but even uh, I bet if you really quizzed your son, there was something where his spider sense was tingling in a situation that said, hey, this isn't right. You know, you've always got to have your guard up. And I want to tell people, I wish I didn't have to look for situations like that. But the situations always seem to find you. So I, I, I'm right there with you, man. Yeah, it, I'm right there. It's not, it's, this, is, this is what I, I don't think people understand, really, is that what's going on in Minnesota, and, and, and this is how you know it's serious. This incident happened in Minnesota, but there's protests all over the country and all the big cities pretty much. Yeah. And the reason why is because we're, when you hold, just like you, you're having a kid, you let your kid get away with stuff, you let your kid get away with stuff, which you shouldn't, but you let them get away with it, and then you're, it, you start to boil, right? Mm-hmm. And then the next incident, whatever it is, takes you over the top. And that's mm-hmm. what this is. People don't understand. This is pent up anger because things that we know. We just saw this guy. <laughs> I know the, the headlines say he knelt on his shoulder, on his on his head, and all this stuff. He murdered the guy. I mean, how mm-hmm. you saw this on tape? He murdered the guy, and there, and we're trying to sugarfoot around it. It's murder. I don't know how else you can you can you can say it. He's, it's murder, and now you don't understand the anger and the angst that has that's going through the community. That man, this guy murdered him, and he hasn't been charged. He was fired, which was the fastest I've ever seen anything happen. But that fire means nothing. We mm-hmm. all know that a cop can get another job at another department easily, all the time, all the all time. time, just like the teachers. Next town, <laughs> next town over, exactly, and it's like. I don't understand that, oh, you, we should be happy that he got fired. No, we're not happy. We want justice. And if mm-hmm. they would have, and a simple thing, I, I told a friend of mine this uh, Thursday, if they would arrest the cops, 
And arrest means they just shackle him, fill a report. He can post bail and be at home the, that night. Just show the community that you are moving forward with an arrest. A lot of this wouldn't have happened. Oh, absolutely. That's the frustration. And what I try to tell my white friends is incidents don't just happen in a vacuum. Like you can't just look at the one case, uh, Mr. Floyd in Minnesota, and just look at it like this. You can't zoom in on it. Things build up, like you're saying. It's an incident here. It's, yo, you got stopped uh, rolling through a stop sign. I've been stopped. I've been harassed. We've seen uh, the police come into our communities and do things they wouldn't do in their own communities. And it just builds up. Uh, the perfect example is the O.J. Simpson case. Okay. O.J. did that. All right. Let's let's just be honest. <laughs> but the reaction for most black people was like, OK, we got one. Right. You know, after Emmett Till, that case, after uh, the Central Park Five and that case, after all these cases of, of, misjust, of, of miscarriages of justice that we've had to endure, we got one for us. Right. And what happened? Everybody got mad. Everybody got mad. So. <laughs> When you look at these incidents, it's just little things that build up. And the biggest thing is, look, I can have someone, if the if the, the Klan came marching, and I'm going to inward this, inward that, okay. But it's the little things that add up. It's, you know, you get stopped. Hey, where are you going? Well, you can't ask me that. It's, you know, you go into a store, and it's that second look. It's, you know, the, the, the you're walking down the street, and people... Like this, you know, I'm starting to run through the neighborhood now. And luckily, I've had some good interactions. But at the very beginning, it's, you know, people looking through the blinds like this here. It's little things that you just have to those little microaggressions, they call them, that just build up. So, you know, if somebody slights you just a little bit, going back to your point, you, you're already here. Yes. That little thing takes you to here. And it's like, well, why are you reacting like that? Because this has been building up, in my case, for 42 years. Right. You know, it just right. builds up and then it just erupts. That's what we're seeing with these communities. Right. Why Why are black men angry? That's that's a, why, <laughs> dude, you don't, it's, I would just say this. When I was in high school, I went through the, uh, the David Duke running for governor. All right. Oh, yeah. So KKK. Highs up, Grand Wizard running for governor. And I had guys who was older than me. That was my junior year, I think. And the seniors in that year were so pro David Duke. They were wearing this apparel, all this merchandise, had it on the books. And these guys, some of these guys are my offensive linemen. Some of these guys on defense with me. And the angst during that time was incredible. You could slice it with a butter mm -hmm. knife and people don't understand. I, and I had this talk today. I wish that all of America could experience the, the college athletic locker room because the one thing about the college athletic locker room is you cannot hide it, different backgrounds, different races, different religions, all different beliefs. You cannot hide. You have to face it face to face one-on-one. -on -one. And even though you might have a circle outside of football or outside of basketball that might be like-minded like you, 
when you cross that door in that in that building, it all changes. And right. I've learned, and we all say players come back. I've, I've never had, never knew a black guy until I came here. My sister had a situation where a teammate actually said color. And she had no idea. It was like just off the tongue, color. She's from a town in Arkansas that had never, she's never seen a black person face to face, nicest girl ever. And she had no idea. And I just wish we all had that situation of being confronted with something because we all have a common goal. And you have to face it. You have to deal mm -hmm. with it because if not, you won't win. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, and that's, that's part of all this, too, is when you're the minority group like we are. See, and I try to explain this. Look, full disclosure, I was married before, divorced now, uh, but my, my first wife, uh, she was white. And so I had to explain to her that when you are the majority, everything, everything is catered to you, right? And it's just simple things like uh, she had never heard of the movie Friday, which should have been a red flag. <laughs> but, well, yeah. <laughs> but she didn't know Friday, but I knew Titanic. I knew of Titanic, right? right. And so uh, she hadn't heard of Living Single, but she'd heard of Friends. Friends. Right. So when you're in the minority, you've got to know your culture. But you've also got to know the, the broader culture. But if you're part of the big, you don't need to know. You know, I forget who it was that was talking about, you know, black Twitter, which is one of my favorite parts of Twitter. You know, who is someone that's black famous that white people don't know about? Oh. And the consensus was like, like Frankie Beverly and Mays. Like, I don't know any black person that doesn't have an auntie or an <laughs> uncle put it on. And go see Frankie Beverly, uh, Frankie Beverly and Maids. But you could say that to most white people, and they're not going to have any no idea who you're talking about. Gary, Gary just, Owens, I would know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it's it's, it's crazy, and, and that's like I I used to get into conversations all the time in school, and this is the defense of nature. Like, why do y'all have Miss Black America? Why y'all have historically black colleges? Why y'all have, what, are y'all trying to separate? It's like, I'm like, you don't understand. Learn the history of it. We couldn't yeah. win. Now, we all know Vanessa Williams was the first, but that's the first. That was in the 90s. A late 80s. And, when it, it's like, come on. And, and, and that's the thing, too, is, of course, why is there, uh, you all get BET. And I'm like, <laughs> But you get you got CBS, ABC, NBC, and Fox. Like, you know, I mean, right, right. MTV. And go, right, and you go back to a show like Friends, set in New York City, the most diverse place on the planet, and it wasn't even a non-white character in the background. That doesn't jive. That doesn't make any sense, right? And it's just little things that you notice if you are black that you just say, "Come on, man, come on." And you know it's it's a knockoff of in living single. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> like, but but that show is a cult figure for us, but not a cult figure for a cult show for for the masses. Ab absolutely, and that goes back to what with all this friction 
that we're seeing right now is America wants to consume black culture, but they don't want anything to do with black people. Yeah. And when you see who's the what's the trends, black people have been setting the trends since little Richard, God rest his soul, invented rock and roll. Right. Okay. We have been the driving force behind so much. But yet when it comes time to help us, they don't want to do that, you know, and and that's the frustrating part for us is like in your situation, like, OK, you can cheer me on Friday nights and Saturday. Right. You can we can cheer the touchdowns. We can cheer the dunks. But but when your community's hurting yeah, you know, y'all will figure it out. Right. That's the frustrating part is. When athletes speak out, it's stick to sports. You say we're not going to stick to sports tonight, but stick to sports where we're comfortable. Right. But you you look at the history of America and, and black Americans, because the athletes have been at the forefront, they've been the drivers of change. Jackie Robbins, Muhammad Ali, Bill Russell, Jim Brown, those people lay in that foundation uh, where we kind of expect the black athlete to do like LeBron's doing and, and kind of step up and, and do things. So you're saying shut up and dribble. We don't have that luxury. Right. Like it would be easy for LeBron just to be focused on basketball. Right. It would be easy, you know, for the Chris Pauls, you know, the easiest thing in the world for Colin Kaepernick to have done is just shut up yeah. and play football. Facts. He'd still be playing football right today. Facts. Because they've been they bringing dudes off the couch right today. <laughs> and, you know, I see so-and-so got signed. I'm like, well, who is that? Right. It's harder to to stand up and say what's right. That's the difficult thing. Right. That's hey, the hard thing to do. Hey, exactly. But people understand. I, I, like I said, the high school I went to, I love my high school. I love her. It, it made me a man before I got to college because of the situation I had to deal with. Like you said, I was the athlete. I was the first D1 signee there ever in history at that time. And the fans loved me. I'm a, I'm a good kid. And, uh, but it's funny, like you said, they are cheer for you on Friday. But if their daughter like you, oh, all hell breaks loose. Oh, no. There's no <laughs> way. Who? Guess no. who's coming to dinner. Right. Dude, it's like, but I'm fine. You like me as a person, great individual. But if I had to date your daughter, no, 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 no. And not because I'm a bad person. It's not, it has nothing to do with my, my character, my integrity, my morals. It has to do with just one thing. And it's like, really? But I'm the greatest thing to slice bread in all other situations. But in this situation, mm, I can't let it happen. And it's weird. People don't understand. I'll just, that's the moralizing. i never forget, we had Sadie Hawkins and this girl supposed to ask me out. And it's like all over school, blah, blah, blah. And it didn't happen. I'm like, whoa, what didn't happen? Well, talk to my parents. <laughs> but I know your parents. It's like, are you serious? Is that, yeah. is that where we going? Yeah. It, it, and that's the kind of situation where, like I said, they, 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 everybody wants to consume black culture. But nobody really want to be black, no. right? Yeah, and 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 Chris Rock and I think comedians kind of have this view where they can see things differently. Chris Rock said one of his specials that right today, 
Not one white person would trade place with him, and he was rich. Right. Because you just never know. You never know. And 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 that's the 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 mindset that you have to tell your son. I got to tell my girls that has been going on for generations, generations, generations. Like there's there's a certain level you can reach. You were the first D1 athlete at your school. They sing in your praises on Friday night. But, you know, <laughs> dance on Saturday as something completely different. <laughs> like, that, like, 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 that, like that's a wrap. That's not going to happen. Right. So it, that's the, the frustration. And that just builds into that stuff that we internalize. Like at what point can, can we earn your respect? And that's what we're seeing across the country. Please recognize our humanity. And, 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 and that's the, exactly. And here's the issue for me. And I've said this, I say this all the time. See, I don't mind the, the Joe or the Karen of the world having their certain viewpoint. My problem is when the teacher, when the police department, when the CEO or the manager, when those are the people who can affect our lives, they can affect our ability to move up in a company, they can affect our education, they can affect them seeing a, a, a reference, a good referral, et cetera, et cetera. Those, we have too many people. And this is like, I don't know if you saw the, 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 the wrestling coach who had his, who was saying that I can breathe, he had a, his own children, his son put his knee on his, and he oh, said, yeah, oh, I saw I can that still clip. breathe. Like, he's coaching young men. We all know how much coaches have an effect on people, on young men. He has that responsibility and he has these viewpoints. It's like the teachers who have viewpoints where black kids are not as smart. Um, I had that at my school or et cetera, et cetera. I don't care about the guy who works at Walmart or the guy who works at Jiffy Lube. We got to understand that there are teachers, there are principals. There are police chiefs. There are doctors that have these viewpoints that affect our lives day to day. Exactly. And that's what I was saying. Like the, the guy in the white hood marching down the street, inward this, inward that. Okay, I can deal with that guy. But the person you're talking about is like that Amy Cooper up in New York <laughs> with Christian Cooper. You know, she, she, she he's bird watching. She's got her dog off the leash. You know, we've all seen it. And those are the people she will tell you she's not racist. She will say she's not. <laughs> she will she will say that she's not. She probably, to quote, uh, get out, probably would tell you I voted for Obama twice, not vote for him again. Right. Yes. Right? The 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 issue is that I'm trying to work through with some of my white friends is you all think, and I'm saying you all generally think that racist people, it's only down south. Oh. It's only uneducated people. It's only poor people. No, no, no. Right. The most segregated cities in America, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Boston, Massachusetts, the most racist people are Harvard educated. They are the hiring managers at these companies. Like going back to your city, they're the people in charge. When you look at what that Amy Cooper was doing and the role she was in, VP of whatever, how many times did she go to HR on a black person and just say, oh, oh, Joe just gives me a bad, he's not a team player. You know, when it came time to move somebody up in the role, oh, 
Laquisha, no, I, I, something about her I just don't like. Those are the things that keep us from getting where we want to be. You know, that's the frustrating part is I know not all white people are racist, but there's enough of them in those positions where you got to have your guard up all the time. All the time. Or here's the worst part. Or they see these resumes and they see the names like, oh, nope, it's a black person. Scratch them off. If if the world doesn't believe that it happens, trust me. I'll oh, there have been, there've been studies that have backed that up. And uh, there was an article I read. There was a black guy. No, I'm sorry. It was a white guy. And his name was Deshaun. <laughs> and I need to find it. I'll post it on, on social media. But he it was his thing. Like, you know, he'd send his resume in. And then he'd walk in. And they would be surprised. Like, <laughs> you're Deshaun? I'm going to say, because my name is Van. I've done that so many times. Wait, you're Van? Hold on. We're right. Right. So that's a real thing that black folks have to have to deal with. Right. <laughs> yeah, I I I just don't I don't get it. Sorry guys, I got some tweets. Let me see if I can read these TV. FYTB Calibari tweeted a statement a few minutes ago. You never see two Irish men from beating the hell out of the Italian guy in Birmingham just because that's true. Uh, I, it's it's I just say man it's it's scary I just want people to uh before we move on to a UK talk and I and I let you go because I know you're busy I just want people to be open-minded that's the biggest yeah. thing just be open-minded uh be able to virtually step in my shoes and see my point of view you might not totally agree with it but be able to at least be open to it because there are some things in my life that I've been through that I've held in that I won't tell anybody because it's so messed up. And I'm only, mm -hmm. I'm only, I turned 45 this year. It's not like that. Um, like my dad, my dad is really, my, my grandfather's brother, I guess my great uncle would be the best term was NAACP leader in Woodville, Mississippi. And God rest his soul, he used to tell us stories that they had to shoot out of their meetings because KKK was waiting for them. Shoot mm -hmm. out of a meeting. I mean, guns are blazing, bullets coming to Can you, and this is like 50s. Like, this guy fought in World War II, and then come back, and he's just a dude again. And And that's the frustrating part is, there's so many stories that your great uncle told you. They're not in any book somewhere, right? Right. Like, like people can't find this stuff. But if you talk to an older black person, and I urge people to do this all the time, find you a black person, 70 or above. They're still here. Man, they've been through some stuff yes. that you would not believe. Like you said, you would say to yourself, there's no way that happened. Right. Exactly. And, and it's in and things like the Tulsa race massacre, you know, yes. that, that, uh, was in the Watchmen uh, TV show that a lot of people thought they had made up. Dude, I've been talking about that for years because that's not taught in books. As no, my, da my dad taught me that back in the 80s, 90s. Right. He got some stuff like, look, 
And, and it's one of those things, again, it goes back to, it's not just one incident that, that sets off a powder keg. It's the Tulsa race riots. It's all the lynchings. It's all the towns that got burned. It's all the bombings in Birmingham. It just builds up because those things happen and nobody's brought to justice. No, and, and it's not, I mean, that the Tulsa race-wise, if people don't understand, it's, it's really scary because for me, as a black man, not having history really, not having anything to hold on to. Tulsa is something to hold on. Little Black Wall or Black Wall Street is something to hold on to because it proved yeah. that we as black people can thrive, can mm -hmm. form our own uh, our own educational system, own hospitals, own restaurants. We, I think, I can't remember, for every dollar, like 80 cents was spent right back in the city. It was something crazy. And we were yeah. thriving. And the only reason... Only reason why it got basically bombed um, yep. is because they didn't want us to be successful. They, that's the it, only reason. It was a pure, they're doing too well out there and we're white, not doing well. Jealousy, let's put it on. And, and, that, and that goes back to, I know you, I've been posting so much stuff. They talk about writing. Why are you writing? And writing's not the answer. The, the response to that is black people, since we were brought to these shores, have tried every other method to have our grievances addressed, right? When slavery came around, we had to fight a war, you know? Uh, you said that you didn't want us to live with you, so we formed Black Wall Street, we formed these little towns, and you bombed them and burned them to the ground. We marched peacefully, and you let the fire hoses and the dogs on us. So at some point, it's not the method of our protest. You just don't like what we're saying. That's, that's what I'm getting out of a lot of this stuff. And the, the way folks have been misquoting and misusing uh, MLK, you know, he was very oh. on point that, you know, the, the riot is the language of the unheard. And what is it you're not hearing from the black community, right? right. And and uh, I don't know if you've seen uh, Bernice King and Martin Luther King the Third on Twitter. They ain't they ain't got time for people misusing their father. No. <laughs> they they don't got time for it. And because I'm tired of people using his quotes about love and peace. They only know about one percent of what he said, right? He said a lot more than just I had a dream. If, he if had 1%. a lot more to say. Yeah, he, he, he said so much more about breaking this country down and forming something better, but you don't hear those little sound bits, right? right? It's all about you got to love and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, he said that, but he also said, white America, we are coming to cash a check that you wrote. <laughs> That's what he said. I'm yeah. coming to get the check that you can't. I'm coming. That's what he said. And for all these people holding Martin Luther King up, keep in mind, he was still shot. Like exactly. a dog in the street. Like, exactly. Um, we have a caller, Dave. Welcome to the show. Can you hear me? Dave? Well, uh, I don't know if you can't hear us. But um, what, like I said, before I, so I have to let you go, TB, we can talk about this all day. Uh, oh, absolutely! Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
UK football. <laughs> I just read that, uh, I, I'm going to say his name wrong, Barrett Salee. Mm -hmm. And had us at six and six, two and six in comp. Apollon has us at seven and five. Why do you think the respect factor is not what it should be for Coach Stoops, who has built a program that should be respected? Uh, I will say uh, it's laziness. It's it's easy to go with some names that you know. In Kentucky, not being a name hurts. But if you look over the past four or five seasons in the SEC East in particular, whose program is better than Kentucky? There's Georgia. But I would put it even with Florida. I, I, would, I would put it, you know, Tennessee, I think we're better than. We haven't beat them head to head, but I put Kentucky better than Tennessee. South Carolina won for the first time in six years this past season. Vanderbilt, uh, Missouri. And who else am I missing? Is that everybody? But the point is, Kentucky's better than those programs. You know, you, you beat Mississippi State this past year. I don't know what it's going to take for people to finally give the cats their due. But as my dad used to say, the proof of the pudding's in the eating. On the field, the, the cats are handling their business. One thing I don't think Stoops gets enough credit for is building a successful program at Kentucky, but a program that's had some huge losses that he's been able to recover from. Like last year, I'm in Louisville, you know, right here in the <laughs> belly of the beast for our rivalry. Oh, Stoops won with a backup quarterback. No, Stoops won with a fourth quarterback that he had to convert from wide receiver and totally flip the offense in two weeks I, and still was successful with it. That's what I'm trying to tell people. It's, it's uh, frustrating. It's like... Having a quarterback, as you said, four-string quarterback, yeah. is seen as a negative now. It's weird that that would be seen as a negative. Oh, you're losing your – it's like they're saying, like, we're losing our best quarterback in school history. Dude, our coaches are just that good. <laughs> it's just Our coaches are that good and our players are that smart on offense to adjust. It's mm -hmm. weird, man. I, I, I'm Six and six? Like, what the – we, 18 games in two years. And the funny part about it me that it hurts me, really hurts me, is Florida. Last year, we should have beat Florida. Now, I know should have, could have, but I'm just saying. Talent on the field is not what it was in the 90s when I was playing. We should have beat Florida last year. We beat Florida in the swamp the year before. The year before that, we gave them two touchdowns with nobody yeah. going their receivers. Now, right. the year before that, they, they skull drugged us. But remember the year before that, though, they gave a, that extra time in overtime. So it's like four out of the last five years, we have stood toe-to-toe -to -toe and should have won four. We should be, I'm just, don't give them that one. We should have won the last three. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So to Absolutely. me, just like you said, Dan Mullins is working miracles at Florida. People understand that roster, that roster is not old Florida. That's not Steve Spurrier, Florida. A little different. I tell people all the time, if you look at the recruiting, the top people in Florida are not going to Florida. Mm -hmm. They're not even staying in the state. They're going to Georgia, South Carolina, Bama. So we are right there. So I, 
it's to me it's mind boggling. We won ten. They thought we was gonna have a down year. We went eight <laughs> with a receiver quarterback. Oh, they're gonna have another down year to six when we got the whole team pretty much coming back. Doesn't make sense. And, and that's the thing I've always said about Kentucky football. We've had dudes, you know, back when you played before that Kentucky's had dudes. The problem is we haven't had enough dudes. Right. And if you're going to be successful in the SEC, I don't mean to preach to you. I know you know this intimately, but there's always that three to four game stretch in the SEC where it's three to four games. You are going to have to bring your A game every single, every single game. And if you don't have enough dudes, you just get worn down, and that's what's happened. Well, you look at the depth chart that Stoops has now, and you say next man up. Okay, next man up. The defense this year, or this past season, was better than the previous year after losing Josh Allen. And this season is going to be the best defense on paper ever Yeah, since I've been associated. Right, and we ran the ball better this past season than we did <laughs> after Benny Snell left. I mean, at some point, you've got to give Stoops, whatever he is selling to the recruits, whatever he's doing in that building is working. Uh, like I said, a couple of years ago, uh, Drew Barker goes out, they put Steven Johnson in, fought, realize they've got Benny Snell on the bench, because remember, he didn't do much the first two games. No, boom. It was boom's team. It, and then next thing you know, here we are, 7-5, beating Louisville as a 28-point underdog. And, again, I don't mean to preach to you because you know more about this than I do. No, preach to everybody got, else. If you've got dudes believing in what you're selling as a coach, I said this on Cat's Talk Wednesday this past Wednesday. We like to think, for some reason, coaches is all about X's and O's. That's part of it. But you've got to get – like you said earlier about the, the different people in that room, you've got to get all those different people going in one direction. And whatever Stoops and his staff is doing is working. Uh, I know you saw the Louisville recruit that smarted off about, oh. I didn't sign, I didn't sign to block. And I love that the Kentucky folks said, well, we signed up to win. Right. You know, but, but you look at those receivers, the uh, Ahmad Wagner, the Josh Ali. Yeah, they didn't come to run the wing T offense. <laughs> but, but if Coach Grant and Coach Stoops says, hey, this is what we're going to do to win, because the only way Lynn Bowden and A.J. Rose and Chris Rodriguez are able to break those runs, your receivers got to hold them blocks, right? Facts. And, and if they don't sacrifice, we don't have the cutback lanes and all that. I'm not X's and O's guys, but I know that. So you've got to have people buying in from Lynn Bowden all the way to your scout team. That's the only way you can do what Stoops has done. And he is recruiting dogs. He is flat out, as we had on the locker last week, we had Reggie Rusk on, and he played when I was playing, and I say all the time, he's the best safety I played with. And we didn't have the dogs. He's recruiting dogs. And that's one thing that people have to understand. These guys are coming here to take over. Mm-hmm. This is not like, oh, I'm happy to get a scholarship. Oh, I can't believe I'm playing college football. Oh, I can't believe I'm playing college football in the SEC. No, 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 no. They're not at that level. They're at the level of we're trying to win this Eastern Division. We're trying to get to the SEC Championship. And not saying it as token, oh, we just trying. No, no. They believe they can get to the Eastern Conference Championship, or the SEC Championship. 
And that is yep. huge for us. I never, ever thought that would happen. I, well, what what he's doing is crazy. Yeah, you know, a few years ago, a lot of people here in Louisville made fun of, they had that sign at the Nutter facility about the college football playoffs. <laughs> With, you know, had the symbol, had Kentucky on it. Oh, mm-hmm. what are you guys doing? And then, yay, verily, it came to pass that the Kentucky, at that point, we were ranked a step above Ohio State. And we were cruising real good. Right. And you've got to set those goals to achieve those goals. And I, I love that point you just made. These guys aren't just happy to be here. No. They just here to win and just to compete. They're here to win. You know, Stoops can now sit down in any recruits house in the country, Stoops, Vince Marrow, all his staff, and say, look, hey, we're coming to compete with the Floridas, Georgias, and Tennessees. And he could point to, hey, had a close call that time. Hey, we're with you on the roster. Hey, we're going to get it this next time. He can sell that. Yeah. And, and that, and, and, and it's not a lot. It's not. Uh, and I tell, I've, and we have some people from Louisiana. I'm telling you, there, there's something. When I was recruited, I went to Kentucky as my fourth recruiting trip. I just want to take my five trips. That basically, I'm like, I'm taking my five trips. My parents like, my parents went to every recruiting visit except that one. When I got to Lexington, I didn't even have the best. I'm gonna tell you, <laughs> all my five recruiting trips. That was the the worst recruiting trip I had as far as the after the behind the scenes outside of learning football. And the going and I just I don't want to incriminate myself. The, the the extracurricular activities were horrible when I went to Kentucky. But everything else was better than everywhere else I went. And it wasn't even close. And I tell you all the time, if you just get these guys to come to Lexington, we have a chance. Because there's something about the city, man. I, I, I don't know what the draw is. It's a perfect blend of the South and the Midwest. I don't know what it is, but I fell in love with it. And uh, I'm glad I came. I had some another school I wanted to go to, but it's just something about it, man. Uh, about the city, about the environment, about the people. And if and you win 18 games in two years, who else is winning 18 games in two years? That it's, it's, it's as, a that's a short list of dudes. That's a short list of dudes that 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 do that. So I don't know where the uh, disrespect is keep coming from, but. Keep underestimating, and Kentucky will show up and, and kick you in the teeth. I mean that you know you can you can underestimate at your own peril at this point. I like I said, so I got us going eleven and one, and I'm holding to that, and and I feel really good about this season. We're gonna I, end on on what's your prediction for 2021? Uh. I usually wait till later on in the year, but I, you know, I can, throw out a number. 10, I can say 10 and two, but the difference between now and like a few years ago, you know, 10 and two is like, Oh, ain't no way. But right. There's just so many games. And, and here's the biggest thing. And I'll leave you on this, that Stoops and company has, has brought in that I've noticed on the outside looking in the margin of victory or the, sorry, the margin of error for Kentucky football is why. Yes. Because back when you played and, and before that, right after, 
y'all had to be perfect yes. if you were gonna if you were gonna compete with Florida. <laughs> yes. Like you couldn't no turnovers. No turnovers. You had no to have five. Hold on, hold on. We had five picks against Florida and still lost in ninety three. Right. You had to play a perfect game. And and when I'm at the games and you see, you know, we still have the fumbles, we still have the interceptions, and the crowd just kind of, uh, you know, you feel that air come out. The crowd doesn't do that anymore because no. them dudes come right back. You know, against South Carolina a few years ago, yep. South, that, that's a slugfest. And South Carolina gets the ball back, they driving. Bud Dupree, a man, catches out the air, takes it to the house. Those dudes are ready to make plays. There's no hanging their heads. No. There's none of that. That's a complete mind change over over what we have. Where okay, interception, okay, busted coverage. We can still compete. We can still beat these dudes. Right. We can still beat these dudes. So that's a, a difference I've seen on the outside looking in. Hey man, I appreciate you jumping on with me, uh, TB. Tell everybody how how they can find you, and uh, we'll end on a good note. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter. It's at T Brown underscore eighty. That's at T Brown underscore eight zero. Uh, don't forget to show me and Vinny Hardy, my partner in crime, do Cats Talk Wednesday. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook, Cats Talk WED, in both of those places. And we're live Wednesdays from six to eight. But you can find us wherever you find your podcasts. I appreciate you taking out the time, brother. When you when you said, "Can I come on?" I was like, "Come on, man, are you serious? Let's make this happen." <laughs>